Today I'm going to begin a series talking about Don't Limit God. That's a brand new book that I have out. The subtitle is Imagine Yourself Successful. And I know that uh, there's many people that, you know, they may not relate to that title, but I'm telling you that the things I'm going to be sharing with you are some of the very most important things God ever spoke to me. You know, I've had so many times that God has spoke to me and spoken to me and changed my life and miracles have happened. It's hard to rate things because, you know, when God tells you something in a specific situation, that's really important. But if I just look over my 46 years uh, since the Lord really radically transformed my life, the number one thing would be March the 23rd, 1968, when the Lord spoke to me about being a living sacrifice and I totally committed myself and yielded myself to the Lord. And I tell you, that was profound. But the second most important encounter I think that I've ever had with the Lord as far as the way it has changed my life and ministry has to be January the 31st, 2002. And that's when the Lord finally got across to me that I was limiting Him by my small thinking. And here's the verse that the Lord used in Psalms chapter 78, 41. It's talking about the children of Israel, how they came out of the land of Egypt, but God wanted to bring them into the promised land. And you know, it, it was only an 11-day journey from Egypt to the promised land. Now, He wanted to lead them by Mount Sinai. He gave the law and there were some other things. But if the children of Israel would have obeyed the Lord, it would have only been one year from the time that they left Egypt until they entered into the promised land. But over in Numbers chapter 13, you can read about how the spies, they uh, talked about the giants in the land, that they looked like grasshoppers compared to these giants. And they brought up this evil report and the people disobeyed God. And because of it, the Lord said that they would wander for 40 years in the wilderness. And so it never was God's will for them to be in this wilderness for 40 years. He had them uh, establish their laws and identity as a nation at Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb. But then they were supposed to enter into the promised land. But they didn't do it because of their unbelief. And this is what it's talking about in Psalm 78. It's talking about all of the great miracles that God did to bring them out of the land of Egypt. This would be comparable to the great miracles that God has done for you and me in providing salvation through Jesus and making all of these things available. But then it says, and th these are the verses that just re revolutionized my life. Psalm 78, 41, Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. And I mean, in 2002, God spoke this to me supernaturally. It's, uh, you know, I'm going to be teaching this uh, with... 12 years worth of hindsight and experience since then. But when the Lord first spoke this to me, it probably took me two and a half months to really grab what He was saying. I knew that something was happening. I knew that there was a disconnect between what God had spoken to me and what I was seeing happen in my life, but I couldn't really understand what was the hindrance and why the vision and the goals that God had placed in my heart weren't playing out in my life and I was confused over it. And like I said, it took a two to three month period of time uh, of a number of things happening before I really saw this. And then 
on January the 31st, 2002, God spoke this scripture to me. And I tell you, it radically revolutionized my life. I remember I was in Buena Vista, Colorado. It was um, the last night of a minister's conference and I was visiting with a, a friend of mine and we stayed up until like two or three o'clock talking about this scripture and it just finally dawned on me. I think it was a Thursday night, January the 31st, 2002. And the next morning I got up in front of these ministers and I began to start immediately telling people, I said, man, God has spoken to me. This is, this is going to radically change everything. And here I am 12 years later and I can tell you in hindsight that this was one of the most life transforming things that has ever happened to me. It just radically changed everything. And I want to say to you that what God is speaking to me, what God has spoken to me about this, it's not just for me. This is for every one of us. I believe that the vast majority of believers do not reach their full potential for multiple reasons, but one of them is that they limit God with their small thinking, with their fears, their insecurities, and all of these kind of things. I'm going to be explaining this and going through this in a lot of detail and using my own personal experience, but I want to just make it clear that God is no respecter of persons. What He's done for me, He will do for you. And I really believe that God wants you to succeed that God wants to use you in a greater way than what most people have ever experienced. And, you know, I heard a man say one time that if you want to find the place on the earth that has the greatest potential, go to a graveyard. And his point was that the vast majority of people die with their potential unreached. They take it to the grave with them. Very few people really develop and reach the potential that God has for them. And I believe that that's true. Now this needs some clarification and I could spend, you know, weeks on this. Matter of fact, I taught a series recently talking about God wants you to succeed. And I spent probably three or four hours in that series trying to decide or define what success is. And success isn't necessarily everybody being on television. It's not everybody, you know, doing something that is earth shaking. You may not have people all over the world know who you are, but in your world, among your family, among your relations, among your job, among the people at your church, among your neighbors, you ought to be making an impact. God never made anybody for just anonymity and for nobody to be touched by you. If every single person was just to reach your full potential, and again, your potential might be different than my potential. God calls different people to do different things. One of the things that I tell our students often is that I don't want everybody that comes to Bible college to be a full-time preacher. And I know that that shocks some people because, you know, ministers, when they're talking about succeeding and believing God, they're nearly always talking about their personal ministry. They're talking about being in front of people. They're talking about impacting large numbers of people. And that's not wrong because that's what my calling is. And God has given me a vision to touch people all over the world. And praise God, by His grace, we now have 3.2 billion people that can watch my program. 
all over the world. And, and so when I talk about what God has called me to do, it's reflected, see, in touching large numbers of people and going on television and building a Bible college and, and impacting the world and changing the body of Christ. And that's great. But God will call you to do different things. And I tell our students that, you know, we now have 330 employees, I believe it is. And if every single employee was doing what I was, am doing, did you know this ministry could not function? I couldn't do what I'm doing if it wasn't for all of these people. If it wasn't for the people that answer the phones. You know, we have a, over 30,000 calls a month and that takes hundreds of people answering the phones. There's people that developed a computer system in order for these people that answer the phones to have all of these things at their fingertips and be able to minister to people. And just on and on you could go. If it wasn't for the people that send out all of the materials that are requested, we have over 50,000 uh, contacts per month, people asking for things. We have people in our computer department that if they didn't run the computers and keep track of everything, we could not get the orders out. People would be offended at our ability to fulfill orders. It would hurt us. If they didn't receive the money and receipt it, the government would come after us for misappropriation of funds if we didn't handle that. You know, every single person that is in this ministry is in full-time ministry. They, I could not do what God is calling me to do without them. So I'm saying that success needs to be defined. It's not necessarily the one that reaches the farthest and reaches the most people and has the most recognition. That's not how you define it as success. But at the same time, every single person is supposed to be a success. God wants every one of you to succeed. Maybe not in the way that I am or somebody else, but in your world of influence, you are supposed to be a success. You are supposed to be touching people. And I guarantee you, God wants every person to find out what your place, what your position is, and then you need to fulfill it. And I firmly believe that the vast majority, I don't have a uh, God-given number on this, but I would suspect it's over 90%. It could be 95, 99% of the body of Christ is not reaching their full potential. The average person is shooting at nothing and hitting it every time. I really believe that. I believe that God is a big God and He wants to do big things. And once you get born again and God Himself comes and lives on the inside of you and you have this same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, it is God's will to flow through you. And I mean, just do miracles. I remember when I was in Lamar, Colorado, holding Bible studies and lived there that we had a group of seven sisters that were in these Bible studies and their mother died they called all of the sisters together and those sisters got over there and prayed over their mother and she just came back to life, walked two miles into town, did grocery shopping and came back that same day. You know what? Now that's supernatural. And I'm telling you, that's not reserved for just a few people in Lamar, Colorado. God wants all of us to be flowing in the supernatural. And I guarantee you, because of that, people's lives were changed. People were brought to the Lord. It changed things. One of those same ladies, uh, her baby, I forget the details, but I think there was about a year old child, pulled one of these huge motorcycles over 
uh, a poem on it and it just crushed it. And I forgot now it's been, you know, I don't know, 30 something years ago. I forget the details, but it was either its skull or its chest. Something was just crushed. I mean, it was smushed. And this lady got her child and pushed that body part back into shape and prayed over it and commanded life into this child and boom, it just came back to life. And I mean, that affected people and they are still affecting people today. One of those same ladies was poor and uh, Jamie and I used to have to help her. We would give her some food to help her and they were just struggling. She got to receiving the word about God wants her to prosper. She started believing and anyway, it's a long story, but she came up with this little thing of making clay and took it to these... Um, fairs, these craft show things, and, and started a huge business out of it. At one time, you know, during certain seasons, she would employ 80 people or more. I mean, went from being poor to being a person through God was flowing through and employing other people. God has more for you than what you're doing. And I can say that probably without reservation. You know, if somebody was preaching to me right now this same message, I believe that that's true of me. God is speaking to me that there's more. And I have seen God just do awesome things in my life. Since 2002, when God spoke to me that I was limiting Him, I mean, our ministry has increased more than 10 times. I'm going to be giving some of these specifics as I go through and talk about it. But I mean, we have seen huge increase. We just finished a $32 million building project and we're now in a $53 million project of building the second building in a car park and we are beginning to develop a first class Bible college campus that is going to go on. If the Lord tarries, it'll go on long after I'm gone. And I believe that this is going to make an impact on the body of Christ. So I have seen huge increase and yet if I was listening to somebody preach this, I would be receiving it because just this summer, God started speaking to me again about how I'm limiting him by my small thinking. I mean, it's not something that you just do this one time, you see a breakthrough and that's it. God is bigger than anybody has ever tapped into. Nobody completely reflects everything that God wants in their life. I believe that for every one of you that there is more, regardless of how much you've seen God do, regardless of how blessed you've been, Regardless of any of these things, there is more. You know, I was talking to a man just recently and he was just sitting there basking in the goodness of God and talking about how God had blessed him. He was flying in a plane. He owned the plane and he was just thanking God for all of these things. And God says, do you enjoy that? Oh, yes. And he was just praising God. And after three times, the Lord asked him, do you really like this? And he just was constantly, yes, thank you, Father. He knew that God was getting to something. And finally, the Lord spoke to him and says, is this all you think I can do? And he realized that he had come so far compared to most people. He was way ahead of most people. But when he was talking to the Lord, the Lord was saying, is this all you think I can do? And this man who would be considered super prosperous by most people was challenged by God to believe for more. And this is what I'm trying to get across to you. Before I start into all of the details telling you about how this happened and how I overcame some things and the results that it's produced in my life, I just want to present to you that regardless of who you are, there is more. God wants to do more. 
you need to think bigger. You know, one of the scriptures, I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It's either 1 or 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I think it's 1 Corinthians 10. It says, but they comparing themselves among themselves and measuring themselves by themselves are not wise. And yet this is something that we do constantly. We constantly are comparing ourselves with other people. And as long as we are doing as good as the average, most people feel like, well, everything's going good. But I'm telling you, we need to compare ourselves with God. And what does God want of you? And I believe that the average person is way below. I mean, miles below where God wants them to be. And if you just look around and compare yourself with everybody else, then you're going to come to a wrong conclusion. You need to compare yourself with God's plan for you. And I believe that God's plan for you is better than your wildest dream for yourself. You know, a friend of mine, he talks about how that sometimes people think that they are just pushing the limit, that it's nearly too much for God. But God is not intimidated by your dreams. Most people limit what God can do in their lives because they look around and they just constantly think, well, I need to be satisfied with less. And they, they draw their inspiration only from people. But man, if you are in relationship with God, God is a big, huge, awesome God. And He wants great things for your life. I tell you, if you don't wake up in the morning just so excited about, God, this is awesome. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. Thank you for another day to serve you and an opportunity to release your power. I mean, if you aren't excited and thrilled with your life and also challenged and stretched, then I can guarantee you, you are not reaching your full potential. God wants more. It's not that He is demanding it for His love for you. He loves you regardless of where you are. But God loves you so much, He doesn't want you to stay where you are. God has big plans for your life and He also has big plans to use you to touch other people. I tell you, this world is in a bad state. It's sick. There's bad things happening. And we need those who know the Lord to reach out, reach their full potential and take the limits off of God and start letting God flow through them. I believe that God would give you creative ideas. You might come up with cures to some diseases. You might come up with inventions that could literally transform the entire way that the world is done. You know, the people who know God, believers in the past, are the ones responsible for the vast majority of the breakthrough technologies, medical advances, and things like this. Now, I haven't got time to document that, and I know that there's people that may challenge that, but I have literally read many, many things. And I mean some of the greatest breakthroughs that have happened in mankind's history that have brought the human race to where we are today came because of people who just started dreaming and God flowed through them. And it's changed our entire way of life, our communications, television, radio, all of this digital stuff that we have Today, much, much, much of that came through people who were believers and God speaking through them. You need to lift up your eyes. Quit looking down. Quit coming down to the level of everybody else and recognize that God has something supernatural for you and He wants to flow through you to touch other people. 
But most people limit God by comparing themselves with other people, by their own insecurities, by their fears. I'm going to start teaching on this. And I tell you, I believe that this has a potential of really making a difference in your life. But before I get into the details, I just wanted to first of all challenge you that God has more for you. Praise God. You know, this is not a dress rehearsal. It's not like we are getting ready for the real thing. Every day that the sun comes up and sets, that's a day that has either been used to advance you and to make you more like God wants you to be and allow God to flow through you, or it's a day that's wasted. And sadly, most people are just wasting their days and they aren't advancing. I want to stir you up. Sometimes before you get edified, you need to be terrified. And you need to just come to a place of realizing that, praise God, there is more for you than what you have experienced. More of God's goodness, more of God's power flowing through you and touching other people. And that's what this whole teaching is about. I was sharing out of Psalms chapter 78 in verse 41, this is the children of Israel, how that they didn't experience God's best, not because God changed, but it says in verse 41, yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. And he's talking about the reason they couldn't enter into the promised land. Uh, a verse that goes along with this is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, where it says the gospel was preached unto them, talking about the children of Israel that came out of Egypt, the same as it was unto us, but the word preached unto them did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So then we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. And so they limited God by their unbelief, by their fear of the giants, by their fear that they would not be able to win the battles and occupy the promised land. And that fear and unbelief limited God. Now I'm going to be talking in great detail about many of these things, so I'll come back to all of this. But let me first of all just make this point that there's a lot of people who believe in the sovereignty of God in such a way that God just controls everything, that everything that happens is God's will. And they would disagree with the whole premise of this verse because this verse says they limited God. People who believe in the sovereignty of God, and again, there's a right way to believe in the sovereignty of God is and that's to believe that God is almighty, that He's highest in rank, order, or authority. That's what the word sovereign means. But the religious connotation that is put with the term sovereign is that God controls everything. Nothing happens but what it's God's will. And people who are sovereign, extreme sovereign teachers get so mad at me. I mean, this... In my estimation, I believe that this wrong sovereignty, this extreme or hyper-sovereignty or whatever is the proper term for it, I believe it is the worst doctrine in the body of Christ. I believe it's the most damaging doctrine because it renders you powerless. There's no point in pursuing God. There's no point in this whole teaching I'm going to be giving is talking about that God has more for each one of us than what any of us have obtained. But if you believe in this extreme sovereignty of God, well, then you would reject that saying, no, whatever God wants for each one of us is just automatically accomplished. Nothing happens but what it's God's will. 
And I don't believe that that's true. And when I teach on this, people that are into this extreme sovereignty get so mad at me. I've had people come up and yell at me and you're of the devil and how dare you say this. I've got people that have written blogs about me and saying terrible things about me and a lot of it centers around this sovereignty of God. They get mad saying, you're of the devil, how dare you say this? And yet I always respond to them. I said, hey, if you really believe in this sovereignty of God the way you say, well, then I couldn't say these things, but what God allowed it. God must want me to be preaching this or it couldn't happen. <laughs> and I mean, they have no answer for that. If you believe that God sovereignly controls everything, well, then everything that every person is teaching must be God's will for them to teach it or they couldn't teach it. That would mean that every person that's a prostitute, every person that's a murderer, a liar, a thief, it must be God's will or they couldn't be doing these things if God sovereignly controls everything. That means that every murder, every rape, every terrible thing, every dictator, Every person who's committed genocide in the whole human race, all of these things are ordained of God. Well, of course that's not true. And the people who believe in sovereignty and teach that don't believe that that's true. So they don't even believe their own teaching. I'm telling you, you've got to recognize that this is saying that God had a plan for the Israelites when they came out of the land of Egypt and it was not to spend 40 years in the wilderness. They spent 40 years in the wilderness because of their unbelief, because of their fears, because of their rebellion at God. It was not God's plan. And so I say to you, before I get into any of these other things, you've got to get rid of this extreme wrong doctrine about God just sovereignly controls everything and you've got to quit having this fatalistic attitude that, you know, okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. It just works out. God must be controlling your life. It must be God's will for you to get a divorce. It must be God's will for you to just spend the rest of your life on welfare. It must be God's will for you to be addicted and stuff. There's nothing you can do about it. That is all wrong. God has a plan for you. He had a plan for the Israelites and they didn't obtain it, not because God didn't want them to prosper, but because they limited the Holy One of Israel. They turned back in their heart to Egypt and lusted for the things that they were missing in Egypt. It was their unbelief and their rebellion that stopped God's perfect plan from coming to pass in their life. And this is so clear that you have to have somebody to help you to misunderstand this. And yet, sadly, religion has helped a lot of people misunderstand things. And there are people that are just going through life and they're like a pinball. You, you know, you, you launch this pinball. You pull the thing back and it just launches it. And then it just bounces off of things and boom, boom, boom. And that's the way that a lot of people's lives are. That you are just going through life and this problem happens and you just... You, have, you aren't in control. You aren't going any place. You don't have a certain destination. You know, if you don't have a specific destination in mind, then any road will get you there. And that's how the vast majority of Christians are living. They're just going through life in case, sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be. And they just let life mold them and they bounce from thing to thing. This is not how God made you to be. 
You have a purpose, a destiny that God has created you for. Everything about you is suited to accomplish certain things. Whether you're a male, a female, what color you are, what nation you live in, God created you with a purpose. Psalms 139 really makes that clear. Jeremiah said this in Jeremiah chapter 1. The Lord was speaking to him and he said, Before I formed you in your mother's belly, before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you and I had ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. And that wasn't limited to Jeremiah. Paul also said the same thing in Galatians chapter 1, 15, where he says that God separated me unto the gospel from my mother's womb. Now, does that mean that you were just predestined and sovereignly made to do things? No, Paul, for a period of time, went a totally different direction and he became so legalistic, so vicious, he actually consented unto the murder of Stephen. He started fighting against Christianity and against the Lord Jesus and arresting people and bringing them to prison and he consented to putting people to death. That was not God's will. It didn't sovereignly come to pass. But finally, God appeared to the Apostle Paul. He was Saul at that time in the ninth chapter of the book of Acts. And he said, Saul, Saul, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. What that was talking about, it, you know, over in Acts chapter 4, it says that the uh, uh, scribes and the Pharisees in the Sanhedrin, they were pricked in their heart at the preaching of the of, uh, Peter. And so pricks here was talking about the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Lord said, it's hard for you to fight against the conviction that I have placed in your heart. And finally, Saul ran up the white flag, surrendered and yielded himself to God. And then he began to start seeing God's perfect will for his life come to pass. Again, Galatians chapter 1 verse 15 says that God separated uh, Saul unto the gospel from his mother's womb, not unto the legalistic, ritualistic bondage of the Jewish religion, but unto the gospel. And yet he lived for 30 or 40 years going the wrong direction because God doesn't just sovereignly make it come to pass. When the Lord appeared unto Saul, it was like either you straighten up or this is it. Your number is up and praise God, Saul made a good decision and decided to go with Jesus, wrote half of the New Testament, gave the revelation of the gospel of grace and is still impacting the world today through the scriptures that God inspired him to write. So he had a plan. He was created for that purpose, just like you and I are, but he had a choice as to whether or not it came to pass. And again, I can go back to Psalm 78, 41, and you see all of that right here in this verse. It says, Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. If God can be limited, well, then that means that His will doesn't just sovereignly, automatically come to pass. You can limit what God wants to do in your life. And I will even go as far as to say that the vast majority of people, probably every person, limits God. You know, God has shown this to me. I have seen God transform my life. I'm going to be giving more details and giving you examples about this. And so I have seen a huge increase in my life, but I still believe 
that I'm limiting God. I believe until the day I die, God is going to be showing me more that He wants me to do. I'm going to have a purpose until I go to be with Jesus. I'm never going to reach my full potential. I haven't arrived, but I've left. And I don't know that I'll ever arrive until I go to be with the Lord. This is what the Apostle Paul was saying in Philippians chapter 3. He says, I count not myself to have apprehended. That's just the old English way of saying, I haven't arrived, but I've left. I have this goal and I have set this goal before me and I am not looking back. I have forgotten the things that are behind. I'm pressing on towards this goal for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Most Christians are shooting at nothing and hitting it every time. We limit God by comparing ourselves among ourselves and measuring ourselves by ourselves. And that is not wise, is what Paul said. We need to realize that God made us for something awesome. Again, that doesn't mean necessarily that every person has to do something that affects the whole world. It doesn't have to be earth shattering, but in your realm, in your world, your family, your neighbors, your business, your life, your relatives, you need to be reaching your full potential. You need to be making an impact. And I believe that God has more for all of us than what most of us have ever dreamed of. So the very first thing I want to do, before I even get to talking about how the Lord got this across to me, how He changed my life and all of the things that He's done, that I believe there's going to be direct application from what God has spoken to me to your life. Before I get into the details, I first of all just got to challenge you that every one of you need this. And I can say this without any fear of contradiction that there's not a single person who has maxed God out. There is more. God is almighty. He's awesome. What He's placed on the inside of you, His plans for you are bigger than what I believe a single person has ever obtained to. You could let God flow through you more. You could love more. You could flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. God would give you creative ideas that would change not only your life and financial situation, but it could impact people around you. It's possible some of you, you could impact the world with the inventions with the creative ideas that God has. But you've got to start dreaming bigger. You know, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says, As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Your life is going the direction of your dominant thoughts. And with the average person, even the average Christian, your life is just mediocre. And I know that that's not blessing some of you, but before I can edify you, I got to terrify you. Before I can get you to walk in the bigger things that God has for you, I've got to create a dissatisfaction with mediocrity, with you just being like everybody else. I'm telling you, God has more for you than what you are living. And I believe that for every single person. I don't care who you are. If you're the president of some nation, if you're the president of some corporation, if you're a multi-millionaire or billionaire, God has more for you. Nobody has tapped into the fullness of God. Some of us may be heading in that direction. You may be further down the road than what you were before, but I believe that there's more. I don't care what you've obtained to, God has more for you. If you are seeing God do awesome things through you, God wants to do more. 
I don't believe there's a single person that can just discount this and say, oh, I've already got that. No, every one of us needs to be dreaming bigger. As you think in your heart, that's the way that you are. And the sad thing is most of us are thinking too small. We need to think bigger. We need to think greater. But the first step is that you've just got to be jarred out of this complacency. So let me give you a little bit of my testimony about how God bring the, brought this to pass. Uh, of course, I started in the ministry in 1968 is when I had this encounter with the Lord and I immediately got drafted and sent to Vietnam. I didn't have a ministry as such. It was 10 years later, it was in 78 that I incorporated the Andrew Womack Ministries. But I mean, from the moment God touched my life, I knew that I was called into the ministry and I started ministering to people as much as I possibly could. I started off and I pastored three little churches and uh, that was in Segaville, Texas, in Childress, Texas, and then I moved to Pritchett, Colorado. And then in 1978 when we incorporated Andrew Womack Ministries and I went on radio and I started traveling and following up our radio ministry and I had a free cassette tape ministry and we ministered like that from 1978 until it was 2000 is when I started on television. And anyway, I'm, I'm condensing this and getting a lot of things in here, but in uh, 98 is when the Lord spoke to me about I was supposed to go on television. It took me a year and a half to be able to get the money together, to hire the people, to buy the equipment, to build a set and to get things started. And we started taping for my television program in the fall of 99. But uh, my point is that the Lord spoke to me in July the 26th of 1999. And this is after He'd already told me to go on television. We had already bought the equipment. We were moving in that direction. And He spoke to me and told me that if I would have died uh, before I started on television, January the 3rd, 2000, that I would have totally missed God's will for my life. That my ministry was just starting on January the 3rd, 2000. Now at that time, I had been in the ministry for 32 years. And yet, God told me I was just starting to fulfill. And you know, that discouraged me and encouraged me all at the same time. It was discouraging to think that 32 years that I had not really even begun to do what God wanted me to do. And yet I had seen great things happen. I had grown. Uh, I had seen lots of people's lives touched. We had seen people, multiple people raised from the dead. We had seen awesome things happen. And so if I was just beginning in 2000, well then praise God, uh, what was ahead was gonna be awesome. So it was encouraging and discouraging at the same time. When we started on television in 2000, our income at that time was less than $80,000 a month. And from 2000 till 2002, our ministry doubled. We increased to around $170,000 per month once I started on television. And so, I mean, things were going really good. And once I really entered into television, it is like, our ministry just began. Prior to that time, it was a struggle. I mean, every moment it looked like we were going to be destroyed. 
We had bill collectors on us. We had people turn us over to collection agencies. I struggled financially and we just had a lot of hardship in ministry. Even though there were great results, it, we struggled. But once I started on television, it's just like all of a sudden I was doing what God called me to do and our ministry was prospering. And because of that, at the end of 2001, remember it was January the 31st, 2002 when the Lord told me I was limiting him by my small thinking. And it was about November, I think it was, of 2001 that I had a man come give me a prophecy. And in this prophecy, he said, you are about to see this huge increase. You are going to see God bless you. And he was prophesying all of this growth and increase. And you know, I didn't say anything to him. He was a friend of mine. But in my heart, I was thinking, you're about a year and nearly two years too late. I said, I have seen all of this growth happen since we started on television in January the 3rd, 2000. And I said, you're just too late. You're prophesying about what's already happened, not what's going to happen. I thought that, man, we were just really doing good relative to what it had been before. But within just a couple of months, that prophecy actually became true. And I'm saying all of these things to lead up and say that I thought that we were doing really good. And relative to where we had been in the past, we were doing very well. The reason I'm saying this is because there's some of you listening to me and thinking, oh man, my life's just awesome. And it may be relative to what it has been in the past. But I'm telling you that God has more for every one of us than what we are experiencing. I don't care who you are. I believe that there is more. And so I want you to, to come into agreement and realize that at the time God spoke this to me, January the 31st, 2002, I was at the best place I had ever been in in my life. And yet God spoke to me from Psalms chapter 78, verse 41. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. And God told me I was limiting what He could do through me because of my small thinking. And I mean, this rocked my world. Again, remember that I was at the best place I'd ever been in in my life at the time God spoke this to me. You may be at the best place you've ever been in in your life, but there's more. And here's the way that these things kind of came to pass. In about November of 2001, we had outgrown the facility that we were in. We had a 14,600 square foot facility that we had occupied for 12 years. And when we first moved in there, I felt like a BB in a barrel. I thought I'll never outgrow this thing. And yet over 12 years, we had gotten to where we didn't have room to do anything. The ministry was literally beginning to be choked specifically the Bible college. We had a room that would seat about 130, but I had to also put my television set in there. And so my television set was in this room. I could only record when school was out. And we had about 130 or so people with the set in there. With the set in there, it could only accommodate about 100 people. And we, we had 130. We had porta potties that we put outside of our building in the winter. All of the men had to go to the outside toilets and turned all of the indoor toilets into the women's toilets. And I mean, we just literally could not accommodate the growth. 
And so we had to do something. So we started looking for another building. And even though, uh, you know, we had prospered more than we ever had, I had it in my heart from way back in the beginning, 1968, when the Lord first touched my life, I believe that someday God would use me and raise up this Andrew Womack Ministries to touch people all over the world. I had a worldwide vision, a global vision, and it was going to be big, and I knew that. But I saw it as being way off in the future. But when we had to start looking for another building, some of these things bubbled to the surface. And one of the things that happened, I came back from a meeting and my wife picked me up at the airport and she said, I want to take you by and show you a building that we looked at uh, to increase you know, the size of the ministry. And she took me by and showed me this building and it was a 30,000 square foot building. Now remember, the building that we had that we were having to replace was 14,600 square feet. So this was double the size. And Jamie said, this should last us until we go home to be with the Lord. And when she said that, I mean, the Holy Spirit just rose up on the inside of me and said, oh no, it is much bigger than that. And in my heart, I knew that we were going to have this worldwide ministry that was impacting people. We were going to need hundreds of thousands of square feet. And yet my own wife, I hadn't communicated that vision to her. She knew that we were going to grow. She was believing it would be bigger than what it was, but she thought twice as big would be more than enough to last our entire life. And in my heart, I knew it was bigger than that. And yet I hadn't even communicated this to, to Jamie. And you know, we share everything. And yet I hadn't communicated it to her. And boy, I remember when, as she was showing me this building, I was thinking, God, this isn't even close to being big enough. And I haven't even shared this with my wife. And I realized that, you know what? There was a fear on the inside of me of people discrediting my vision. Now, I believe that this started way back from the very beginning because when the Lord first touched my life as an 18-year-old guy in 1968 and the Lord first touched me, I started sharing my vision that someday God was going to use me. I was going to speak in front of people. At the time, I was an introvert. I couldn't even look at a person in the face and talk to them. I mean, it was pitiful. Some of you still think my ministry is pitiful, but it's less pitiful than it used to be. <laughs> Amen. I've come a long ways and people just poured cold water on my fire every time I tried to share the vision. I believed that I was going to be traveling the world. I'd never been outside of Texas at the time. I believed that I was going to be ministering and impacting people all over the world and people just constantly criticized my vision. It's like when you reach down and pet a dog. If every time you do that, it bites you. After a while, you quit petting that dog. Every time I shared my vision, I got criticized. I had people roll their eyes. I had people say things like, well, you know, you're a wonderful person. God loves you, but Andrew, you just can't. You know, you're dreaming too big. And I was criticized. And because of it, I had just gotten to where I wouldn't share my vision. And especially when Jamie and I first started out, we pastored three little churches and the largest crowd that we ever had was about a hundred and something in any of these churches. And here I was talking about having a worldwide ministry and reaching millions of people and people just, 
there was nothing in my life that verified the vision that I was speaking. So, because of the criticism and the rejection, I just got to where I wasn't speaking my vision, not even to my wife. And this really dawned on me about November of 2001 that, you know what, I had gotten to where I had bottled this vision up. I had stuck it on a shelf and I was not nurturing and speaking the vision that God had put in my heart. And I began to see this. Then I had, a, I had a bunch of things happen, but these are the significant ones. That I went on a radio interview in Tulsa, Oklahoma on the Oasis Network, David Ingalls uh, Network. And uh, I went on there and um, I was being interviewed by this couple, Lynn and Kathy Mink, who I had known about for decades. And they traveled with Kenneth Copeland. They were very well known. I considered them to be people that were just you know, way, way, way beyond me. And when I went on their program, they had a, a, a two-hour interview, I think it was, but they spent the first 10 minutes or so giving the local news and weather, and then they introduced the person that they were going to be interviewing, and then they took a break, and I was supposed to go in, and then they would spend the rest of that time interviewing me. While I was sitting out in the foyer listening to the radio program and they gave the news and the weather, but then they introduced me and I was absolutely shocked to find out that when Lynn and Kathy first got turned on to the Lord, that I was one of the very first ministers that they ever heard on radio and that God used me to impact their life. And they were just saying all these wonderful things about how my ministry had impacted them decades before. And so after their break, I went in, we interviewed, and then we decided to go out to eat together. And I just started telling Lynn and Kathy, I said, I am shocked that God used me to impact you. You have impacted me. God has spoken to me through you. And to think that I had something to do with you, uh, you know, decades ago, I'm just overwhelmed. And they basically, they did it in love, but they rebuked me. They said, what's wrong with you? You've been on radio for 25 years all over the nation. Don't you think that anybody listens? Why would it surprise you to find out that God used your ministry uh, to touch our lives? And you know, it made perfect sense, but I had just never allowed myself to go there. I never really saw myself as really impacting very many people. And so again, this was another indication to me that, boy, something was really wrong with my thinking. So over two or three months, I just had thing after thing after thing like this come to me that showed me I was dreaming too small. I wasn't acknowledging what God had already done. And it, and it culminated on January the 31st, 2002. And God finally spoke to me through Psalm 78, 41 and said that you are limiting me by your small thinking. And I realized that. And so when I came to grips with this, the very next day I started telling people, I was at a minister's conference, my own minister's conference up in Buena Vista, Colorado. I started telling the other ministers, I said, God has shown me that I have limited him by my small thinking. I just couldn't see myself really succeeding and doing I had a vision of what God wanted me to do, but I couldn't see myself doing it. I didn't see myself equal to the task. And in myself, I'm not. But I mean, I couldn't even see myself 
in the anointing and power of the Holy Ghost doing what God told me to do. And I started telling this to people. I called my staff together on January or on February the 11th of 2002. I got my staff together. At that time, we only had 30 staff. Here we are 12 years later with 330 staff. And I guarantee you, we are going to have many, many more than that. So, I mean, what a change this made. But I called my staff together, 30 people, and I told them, I said, I have to repent to you. I have not shared my real vision with you. I haven't been forthcoming. I told them I hadn't even told Jamie all of these things because I was fear, fearful of people's reaction and multiple things. I'm going to be going into all of the things that were causing me not to be bold about speaking my vision. And I began to share with my staff and I said, I don't know how long it takes to change this image on the inside, whether it's a month or a year or multiple years. I don't know. But I said from this time forth, I am going to start speaking forth my vision. I will accomplish what God called me to do. And I said, we will have the money come in. We will reach the people. We will do this. And I just started speaking my vision. And as I said, I didn't know how long it was going to take to change. I was prepared for this to take multiple, multiple years. But did you know within one week of me beginning to share my vision and making a bold proclamation my whole life and ministry begin to change. I mean dramatically. Now, to put this in context, remember it was uh, September the 11th, 2001 when we had the terrorist attacks. And I mean across the board nearly, most ministries begin to struggle financially because people's attention was turned away from their television program, their radio program, their ministry. People were just listening nonstop day and night to the news. They weren't watching the Christian programming as much as they had before. They were sending their money to relief efforts, which again, I'm not saying that that's bad, but I'm saying that nearly across the board, ministries begin to struggle. So this was at a low ebb. It was a bad time for ministries. And yet when I saw this and I spoke to my staff and told them we're going to change, did you know my finances began to change instantly? It was a couple of months before I could generate a letter and put the things that God was showing me into this letter and send it out to our mailing list. And so it was a couple of months that anything in the natural could have generated a response. But the very next week after I said these things, long before I had communicated it on television, radio, in letters, anything like that, I mean the very next week, our finances just went through the roof. They began to increase supernaturally. And the reason I'm bringing this out is to say it wasn't just something physical that I did that caused this response in the natural. It was a total supernatural thing. I really believe that in my life, and I believe in many people's lives right now, there are things in the spiritual world that God is wanting to do that are held back by your small thinking, by you limiting God through fear, through complacency, through other things. And when you make these changes in your heart and begin to start stepping out and boldly pursuing what God puts in your life. It's like in the spiritual realm, this dam breaks. All of these things that God was wanting to do in your life, just all of a sudden, they begin to start flooding 
in your life. That's exactly what happened to me in 2002. Before I could notify anybody and do anything in the natural to change the results, something happened in the spiritual, and I mean finances began to flow. Another major, major, major problem with us was we had 30 employees and Jamie was the one that was actually running the ministry. And she did a great job. And I'm not critical of Jamie at all, but it was just, you know, this wasn't what she was called to do. It was a strain on her. She was getting to where she wouldn't travel with me because it was just so much effort to run the ministry with only 30 employees. And we, for a year had been praying that God would give us somebody to help run the ministry. But how do you find somebody who has the business sense and yet has our heart to where they won't criticize me for giving things away? Anyway, I'm running out of time today, but let me just say that the very next week, God sent us a man who said that God told him to take early retirement and come and take our ministry to the next level. And that's exactly what happened. It was supernatural. God began to supply the personnel, the money, everything changed. I'd been trying to go on a network for over two years and I knew the people who ran the network. I had been a guest on their program and yet they wouldn't let me on their network. I got a letter the very next week that says, why aren't you on our network? You start on Monday. We'll work out the finances. And we had just thing after thing after thing, breakthrough after breakthrough come once I began to start taking the limits off God in my heart. And let me just say that I'm not saying any of these things to pat myself on the back or to um, brag about what I've done. I'm saying these things in thanksgiving to the Lord and to give Him honor and to show you that what I'm talking about right here is not theory. It is something that has happened. I am looking at these stats that I'm going to be sharing with you right now in the rear view mirror. This is what has happened. You can't sit there and say, well, it doesn't work that way. It's already worked that way. So I'm saying this to validate, to verify that these truths I'm going to be sharing about don't limiting God and believing bigger about how that it works. It worked for me. It'll work for you. <clears throat> but did you know that we were receiving, we received in 2001, the last full year that I had right before I had this encounter with the Lord, January of 2002, the last full year that I had statistics, we had around 25,000 phone calls in that previous year. Did you know now our ministry averages more than 30,000 phone calls per month? So we are more than 12 times as big, probably about 15 times as big in the number of calls, people that are calling in, requesting prayer, getting products and things like that. Our income was around two and a half million dollars in all of 2001. That's for 12 months. Now we have more than two and a half million dollars come in on a monthly basis. We average around three million dollars. And so again, that's a 12, 15 times as much in the last 12 years. And we could just go on and on. The contacts that we had, I forget exactly. I think we had, I forget the exact number of contacts in 2001. But now we have over 50,000 contacts to this ministry per month. Our Bible college in 2001, 
we had about a hundred and I forget the exact number, but maybe 120 or 30 students that were on campus local. And in our worldwide thing, we had a school in uh, Chicago and one in England. So there was a total of three locations and maybe 200 or uh, probably a maximum of 250 people in the entire system in 2001. Now we have, counting the November enrollment that has come in in 2014, we have over 700 students at our local uh, facility and it's growing exponentially. And we have over 6,000 people in our system worldwide. And so these statistics, every one of them, and I could just go on and on, it's across the board. We have increased more than 12 times as much bigger in finances, in contacts, in materials, in phone calls, in just everything. It has gone up nearly uh, doubling every single year for the last 12 years. It is just phenomenal what God has done. And of course, the statistics are not what really counts. I'm just using those things to try and quantify that when I started thinking bigger, God started using me to affect more people and to touch people. And today, you know, like I was saying, in 2001, we had around 6%, I think it was. It could have been a maximum of 7% of the U.S. market, television market covered. And here we are 12 years later, we have 100% of the U.S. television market covered. Plus, we have worldwide, we have all of these networks and we now can reach 3.2 billion people per day with our television program. I forget the exact number, but it's around 800 individual stations we have plus maybe a dozen or more networks that have global outreach and do all of these things. Our programs are being broadcast all across the Soviet Union. I'm broadcasting in Russian. Our team in Russia actually takes the programs, translates them. There's a voice over and I'm preaching in Russian all across 11 time zones of the former Soviet Union. We have 160 million households there that can get this program. That's actually more households with televisions across the former Soviet Union than there is total households with televisions in the United States. Plus, we have all of my materials are uh, just going all over the place. Our, our CBC now has 40 uh, extension schools scattered all around the world, 20 in foreign countries, 20 in the U.S. And out of those schools, we have another 19, I think it is, satellite schools Altogether, if you were to include the satellite schools, I don't know exactly what the total reach is, but it would be well over 7,000 people now that are being impacted versus maybe 200 in 2001. And I'm just saying these things again to verify, look what the Lord has done. I tell you, it is amazing. And one of the keys... I believe one of the biggest things is that experience I had with the Lord January the 31st, 2002, when He told me I was limiting Him by my small thinking. And when I saw that, I determined that I was going to change. I didn't know how to change. Now, I can look back and see certain things that I did that just allowed what God wanted to do in my life to begin to work. 
And these are things that I believe are not unique to me. I believe that all of us limit what God wants to do in our life through some very subtle things that we don't even realize. I had a friend come to me and prophesy and say that, you know, God was going to do some great things. The ministry was about to explode. We were going to see rapid, huge increase. And I actually believe that this guy totally missed it. I thought that that was something that had already happened. I thought I was already doing really good because we had doubled in the previous two years. And you know what? Without me realizing it, I was limiting God. I was content where I was. I didn't have a real drive and hunger to reach the full potential and to reach out. And so I can say by personal experience that I wasn't aware that I was limiting God. Many of you probably don't feel that way, but I honestly believe that every single one of us limits what God can do in our life. And even though I've come so far and seen so many wonderful things happen in the last 12 years since God gave me this revelation, He spoke to me again this summer that I was limiting Him still by my small thinking. And He encouraged me to get with it. And I'm now really being stretched. I'm doing things right now that are... I mean, it's the biggest steps I've ever taken. So it doesn't ever end. I believe as long as you're breathing, if you are in contact with God and if you are really open to it, God is going to be drawing you to do more. You know, I went and was with Oral Roberts right before he died, just a matter of months before he died. And yet Oral Roberts was still dreaming big, still talking about things. I believe that that's the way it's supposed to be. I believe that if the Lord tarries and my time is up and I die and leave this earth, I'm going to have dreams in my heart, things that I'm wanting to do and accomplish the day that I go to be with the Lord. I don't think any of us have ever totally represented the Lord the way that He should be. Regardless of what we've done, there's always more. And that's what I'm wanting to share with you through this teaching about don't limit God. This has revolutionized my life. And so I want it to revolutionize your life. I believe that if the body of Christ was to get hold of these truths that we're talking about, and if every person started reaching your full potential, man, only God knows what that would do to the body of Christ and to the world. I really believe that. I was ministering to our Bible college students just a couple of days ago. And I was saying something similar that if every person in that room, and there was about two to 300 people in that one class, first year class that I was teaching. And I said, if every one of us was to reach our full potential, if we were to leave this auditorium today and every one of us listened to the Lord and obeyed and spoke to people that He wanted us to speak to, went places, did things, took advantage of all of the opportunities, just 300 people that were in that class, if they went out into Woodland Park, Colorado Springs, and reached their full potential, it would start a fire that I believe could not be put out. It would transform things. But the vast majority of people just go through a day and, and when they get to the end of the day and look back, they can't see anything significant that God spoke to them that God flowed through them, that God touched somebody else's life. I'm telling you, that is not the way that God made it to be. God has made us for more than what any of us are experiencing. 
And that has multiple benefits. One thing, it would change your life. If you were to reach your full potential, you would find a fulfillment and a satisfaction that you do not have today. You know, I'm going to say some things here that may really startle some of you. But I believe that some of you have a holy dissatisfaction. Some of you, many of you would say, well, man, I don't feel complete. I feel like there's something more. This is probably one of the biggest comments that I get. People come to me and say, I knew that there was something more, but until I heard you speaking about all of these things, I just didn't realize. But I was hungry. I knew that there had to be something more than what I'm experiencing. I would say that the vast majority, the vast majority of people feel that there's something more. They aren't satisfied. They are longing for something more, but they're frustrated. They don't know how to get there. And so many times they will just try and put these feelings aside and say, I just need to learn to be content where I am. I just need to be satisfied with what I've got. Well, sometimes it's true that Satan can use dissatisfaction and some dissatisfaction and lust and desires that we have are demonic and we need to be just satisfied with Jesus and our relationship with Him. But I'm also saying that there are some of you that have a holy dissatisfaction. It's God that is keeping you from feeling complete and satisfied because there's more. He's trying to stir you up. He's trying to give you a desire to go beyond yourself and to reach out and get more than what you've got. Some of you have heard me give this testimony before, but I went to a place in Charlotte, North Carolina. I spoke to a business. The man who owned the business was a partner of mine and he called his staff in and says, I'm paying for this man to talk. You're, you're on the clock. You're being paid. You listen to him as long as he wants to talk. And then I went into a back room and prayed with people and I saw things happen. And I did that for many, many years. I came out after talking to the staff one day and there was a lady sitting at the front desk. She was an oriental lady and she wasn't in that group. And so I asked her, I said, why weren't you back there? And she says, oh, I'm the new kid. And they had me stay here to answer the phones while everybody was in the back. And she says, what were you doing? And I said, well, uh, I was talking to all of them. She says, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a minister. And her eyes got big and she said, for who? And I said, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And she says, you're the one. And I said, I'm the one what? And she told me that she was a Buddhist and the previous night she had been doing her Buddhist rituals, whatever that is. And she was going through these things, but she in her heart just was dissatisfied. She knew that there was something more. And so she just stopped right in the middle of her Buddhist rituals and she says, God, I know you exist. I know that there is a God, but I can't believe that this is it. And she asked God to reveal Himself to her and to show her who He was. And she said that there was this ball of light that came right in front of her and it was just pulsating. And she heard an audible voice say, Tomorrow I'll send you a man who will tell you who I am. And then she says, You're the man. And I said, I am the man. And I got to tell this lady about the Lord. I got to lead her to salvation into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was awesome. But when I got out to my car, I sat in that car and I just was praising God and thinking, God, this is awesome. 
I know that I was at the right place at the right time. There was a sense of satisfaction and fulfillment that came to me through that experience that you can't get when you aren't sure that you're doing what God called you to do. And the reason I relate that story is to say that there are some of you that don't have that sense of satisfaction and completion because you aren't doing what God called you to do or you aren't doing the fulfillment of it. You're only partially doing it. I'm telling you that there is more for every one of us. And before I can get into the specifics of how God changed my life, how God got this point across, I need to plant this holy dissatisfaction on the inside of you and tell you that there is more than what you're experiencing. You know, there's a lot of people that you get up and go to work, come home, watch television, go to bed, get up, go to work, come home. And I mean, your life is drudgery. You hate your job. You aren't enjoying what you're doing. This could be evidenced in a lot of ways. There's a lot of people that, you know, on Monday, they talk about, oh, Blue Monday, and, and, and oh, man, we got to go back to work. If that's the way you feel about your job, you either have allowed the devil to sour you and you aren't enjoying things the way that you should, or possibly you just have a holy dissatisfaction because you're just making a living. You're just making ends meet, but you aren't fulfilling what God has for you. You know, many of you come to the end of the week and you just go, T-G-I-F. I had an employee come through, a real young guy. He was about, uh, I don't know, 19 years old or something. And I was in the break room and he just ran in there and he goes, T-G-I-F. And I mean, this is 20, 30 years ago. And I said, what does T-G-I-F mean? And he says, thank God it's Friday. And I said, what's so great about Friday? And he says, it's the last day of the work week. I get the weekend off. I don't have to come to work. And I said, hey, I could fix it that you don't ever have to come to work here. And all of a sudden he's sober. He said, oh, I didn't mean that. I enjoy my job. And I said, well, you must not enjoy it very much if you were so excited about getting the weekend off. And of course, I was just playing with him. I wasn't serious, but... I started just really goading him and saying, you know what, there's a hundred people that would like to have your job that would just be thrilled with being able to work in a ministry and use all of your resources to get materials out to change people's lives. And boy, this guy started backpedaling. He says, oh, I really love it here. But you know what, when a person is sitting there saying, oh man, it's blue Monday, I got to go to work. And then Friday, TGIF, something's wrong. I tell you, I love what I'm doing. If you don't love what you're doing, it's possible that this dissatisfaction and this feeling that there's got to be something more is a holy dissatisfaction. I'm trying to create in you a holy dissatisfaction with just being normal. You know, average means that you aren't the best and that you aren't the worst. It just means that you're average. God didn't create anybody to be average. You ought to be the best at what God called you to do. If it's being a housewife and raising your family, you ought to be the best mother that you could possibly be, the best encouragement to your husband that you could possibly be. If God has called you to be a janitor, you ought to be the best janitor that ever was. Man, you ought to come through and be an encouragement to people. If God called you to be the CEO, you ought to be the best. It doesn't matter. We've all got different assignments 
But I'm just saying that God created us for more and I don't think there's very many, if any, people who have totally exhausted all of the good things that God wants to do in your life and through you to touch other people. So I want to encourage you to believe God for more.